I'm ready. Three, two. everyone and welcome to this the legion of myth weekly live stream episode number 108 subtitled the streamiest of streams to with me uh, i'm your host alex garth on march with me as always as forever thanks to his uh non-indemnity never-ending contract brett heathen dog grissomer hello everyone i hope we find you well we're we're doing great and uh, we're going to have a great episode for you today. Oh, I'm sorry. I qualified the game. Oh, my gosh. I didn't want to put too much pressure on you, so we oh, have an episode now. for you today. We have an episode, which an you may episode. choose to enjoy or not, depending on how you take it. No, they're going to love it. You t- tell them what we got. I don't want to take agency away from anyone. I want people to be able to enjoy or not enjoy the episode based on their own merits and own feelings at the time. That's all I'm saying. Nope. Don't want to take away agency. They're going to enjoy it. No agency. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> All right. So, coming up on this exciting episode, uh, we we have Heathen Dogs, Heathen Dogma, Shadowrun Essentials, Mercs and Detectives, Garthon's Comic Bowl. Garthon reviews three big books that came out this week. We're going over Batman, some talk with Evil Captain America, and a little more, and then maybe whatever crosses our randomness on the RNG. You got anything exciting for the RNG this time? I am. It's great. All right. I'm pumped. You pumped? We're pumped. Okay. Let's do it. Well, before we do it, we have to make sure everyone's safe. It's Earth Day, everyone, and I want you to find your connection with Gaia and be safe with the disclaimer. Eject. Eject. The opinions expressed in this episode are solely the opinions of the individual commentator and are not representative of the entire Legion of Myth organization. While we make an effort to provide a family-friendly atmosphere, the atmosphere is very important. There may be the occasionally to foul or offensive language. Thank you for your understanding and continued viewership. Ah, find your chakras opening and go on with the podcast. As always, you can visit Legion of Myth on our website at legionofmyth.tv or .com. Check out our YouTube channel. Ah, Legion of Myth. Put a, plug it into YouTube. Look at what we got for you. What do we got? Tell them. Tell them, Ethan Dog. Oh, we got hundreds of hours of gameplay content, varied games, all different kinds, first-person shooters, real-time strategy, turn-based strategy. Uh, we got stuff from the 80s, the 90s, the aughts. We got it all. And, and, of course, we have all the episodes of this very live stream. All 108 of them. That's wow. crazy. Tell you what. It is. Uh, you might want to skip the first 20 or so, just telling you. Um, that was kind of the Finding <laughs> Our Sea Legs episodes, as it were. That's true. Actually, go back about 20 episodes. Yeah, 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 there you go. Sometimes the past is there to remind you that how good you are now. All right. And that's, that's still not that great. Okay. Also, check out our Twitch streams, twitch.tv slash Leisure Myth. We are streaming every single day of the week, sometimes twice a day. Uh, schedule is up on the website. You anything you want to add to that, or is that good enough? I think that's good enough. No, that's pretty solid. I think so. Uh, also, you can check out the Legion with Facebook page, Facebook.com slash Legion of Myth, where we communicate, interact, talk, put up funny pictures. Uh, also, Messenger. You can message us. You can tweet us at Legion of Myth. We do respond to the tweets. We have some fun with that. 
Everyone have some fun with the Twitters. I tell you what. All right. Remember, kids, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you're not liking it, well, you can give it a thumbs down. That would just make us sad. We wouldn't do that to you. Well, no, no. Uh, so there's a rule. If you give it a thumbs down, that's fine. Leave a comment. Yeah, why? let us know. Let us know why. why. If you give us a thumbs down because I don't like people named Heathen Dog, well, you know, well, that's not – or the word heathen offends you. You live under you. a bridge. Yeah, yeah that's – you, you, you know. live under a bridge. Yeah, you're a troll. But if you have a if you have legit gripe, tell us. See if we can do anything about it. I'll read it. I won't get mad. Or you disagree with an opinion we share. You know, we could discuss that like rational human beings, and we could let you know why you're wrong. Late on us. All right, but first, before we let's go into what you all came for—the thing that will make your week complete, the thing that could rise you up from the depths of depravity you have gone to in your life, the thing that could act as that first step to the path of enlightenment. Heathen dogs, heathen dogma, shattering extravaganza of excitement based on first and second edition rules. Wow, what a mouthful. Good job with it. I do what I can. All right. Last time, uh, I went over the bad ones, the the archetypes that either the players never want to play or the game masters never want to touch. Now, I'm going to go, not not the good ones, the fun ones, mercenaries and detectives. These are fun for players. They're fun for GMs. A couple of caveats here and there, but overall... This, these are these are really really great to play. Now we'll start with mercenaries. Now well, what, mercenaries, what makes them great to play? That's exactly what I'm going to tell you. Oh, uh, right. Mercenaries have any kind of backstory, any kind of background. They can come from anywhere. They can be ex-military. They can be ex-corporate security. They they can be uh, ex-CIA. You know, whatever. You can have any kind of special ops background that you want, and you decided, you know what, the money's too good. I got to go in business for myself. And boom, you're now a mercenary. You usually don't have a whole lot of cyberware, so you got a lot of money. You got a lot of money to spend. You can, you can buy you can buy vehicles. You can buy an array of weapons. You can buy uh, um. And honestly, uh, why buy a weapon? We can buy an array of weapons. Exactly. I, you want you want a weapon for every occasion. Well, mercenaries got you covered. I like how you write here. You can explain away any gear. Well, of course I have this bazooka. It was gifted to me, or I got it as a prize of war in my last event. Yeah, the, the my last tour in the UCAS military, uh, we went over uh, stop some brush fires in this uh, podunk second world country, and <laughs> I kind of stumbled across this rocket launcher. I thought, oh, lovely, you're mine now. The person who used to have it, and well, didn't go. have need of it in hell, so uh, I kept it. Yeah, there you go. So I, I acquired it. Exactly. And these guys can fit into almost any campaign. You can plug them in. Because like I said, you can have any backstory. You can you can if you're coming in the middle of campaign or your character dies, you re-roll a mercenary. You can you can fit his backstory to to fit like a puzzle piece into the current campaign anywhere. It's if great. you are playing Players a Shadowrun campaign based off of pride and prejudice and everyone in there is talking to each other the whole time, you can still fit in a merc by giving them the right background. Exactly, exactly. Uh, players love campaign. to play them. It would, it would be really strange. I wouldn't want to play that campaign. But it, it would. That's uh, a challenge. It, it I am creating this campaign. Yes, you have to, you have to, you have to do a British accent at all times, or or your character dies. <laughs> Shadowrun, Jane Eyre. <laughs> nice. uh, I'm sorry. Please continue. Okay, uh, players love it because they it's so customizable. GMs love it because it's plug and play in any campaign. It's great. Now the detective is great for game masters because game masters can write the crap out of a out of a campaign. You can make it street level gritty. 
You know, you can really, really get, get down in the dirt, you know, for, for uh, details forensically. It's really, really fun, visually stunning when, 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 a, when a good GM does it. It's, it's really great. Now, the flip side of that coin is it's, you can't plug and play a detective in any campaign like you can a mercenary. They're very specific. They have to uphold the law. Well, most Shadowrunners break the law for their job. Wait, we're talking about detectives now? Yes. What happened to uh, the bad stuff about Mercs? Oh, I'm getting to that. There really isn't a whole lot of bad stuff about Mercs. I'm serious. There isn't. But well, that's the way the worry. slides are ordered. That's all I'm saying. No, don't worry. Don't worry. Um, uh, the, it's really hard to, to plug and play for them. You have to, The GM has to tailor make a campaign for a detective, but trust me, it's worth it because the, the actual gameplay for a detective is outstanding. Now, uh, let, let's just go back, back to the Merc and get a longer look at this guy. Now, uh, all, the, all the good things on the good things don't work. Well, I told you, you can have any, any kind of origin story you want. It's great. Make it up. It'll fit in any campaign. You're great. Any gear you get, like, like the aforementioned uh, acquiring in a, in a brush war, you can explain. I mean, they're, oh, my God, this, this thing is, is restricted 10 ways to Sunday. How'd you get it in here? Oh, I had a, I had a guy smuggle it in for my last, uh, my last tour. It's, it's, a, it's a military smuggle operation. Fine, it got in. Um, a characterization, like I said, it's cheap because you don't have to buy all this cyberware. You don't have to buy all this magical talismonger junk. You don't got to buy this this uh, $100,000 $100, cyber deck or, or you don't have to buy a, a fleet of remote-controlled death machines. All you can do is buy guns and spy gear, and those comparatively are surprisingly cheap. So you can get a whole bunch of them. As fun it's, as it would be to have all that. As fun as it would be to have all that cool stuff, you can have a lot of really good stuff instead of a couple of really cool things. That's true. Which is great. Yeah, and they have no strong magical weaknesses. Uh, usually, uh, mages, if you catch them unawares, they're really weak to physical magic because their body usually isn't as tough as, say, a street samurai who's really strong in physical magic, but really weak against mental magic because he spent all of his points making his body strong, so his mind is a little weaker. Now, a merc is a more well-rounded character. He, uh, he, uh, he, uh, stands out from the crowd with his gear. So he doesn't have any, any real magical weaknesses. It's 50-50, you know, mid-level, mid-level resistances all the way around. And uh, depending on how you dress your character, because there's, there's one time where uh, I, I was a merc, but I dressed like a, like a mage. All right. so, all, so all the security guards thought I was a mage, and they'd, they'd take cover when they'd see me for a couple seconds to, to, to get their mage to come out and fight me. Well, he would immediately do body stuff on me. Well, you know, I'm not weak to body. That's right. So I would survive it, and lo and behold, their mage popped his head out, and my friend shoot him in the face. See, that's actually good uh, GMing if the, if the uh, enemies are actually doing that. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. So, yeah, the, so all around, that's, the, that's a little, little, little bit of a microscope deal on the Merc. Now I'm going to tell you the bad part. All right, go for it. Yeah, uh, he is a jack of all trades and master of none. Like I said, he has no strong magical weaknesses. He has no strong magical defenses. And he's never going to feel like he saves a day because he's never going to save the day. He is a solid team player. He's not, he's not going to bust through the door like, like the street samurai is. He's, he's not going to melt 20 people's heads in one go like the mage is. He's, he's not going to instantly summon up uh, super powerful spirits like the shaman is. He's not going to do any of that stuff, but he is going to be the uh, utility belt of your group. You've got a problem. He's got something that can solve it. 
You know, you, you, need, you need this guy tagged. He's got a tracking device. You need this guy spied on. He's, he's, he has all the spy gear. You, you, need, you need this guy sniped from a half mile away. He's got that gun. You need to be able right. to stand in clothes, go to fisticuffs. And he, he can fight. Yeah. He, he can do everything. He just, he's not great at anything. But sometimes you, you want the Swiss Army knife on your team, and this guy is it. I think most of the times you want that on your team. Well, yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of groups just have five players who are really good at five different things, and as long as they're together, they have no weaknesses. That's true. But, yeah, but any good game master is going to split you up at some point. Yeah, that's true. Or a yeah. bad party will split themselves up. Or a bad party will like, oh, we should split up. It'll, it'll be faster. Like any horror movie, it's the dumbest movie you could ever make. <laughs> yes. So yeah. So yeah. So yeah. Uh, when when you're when when you're at a when you're at a giant question mark of a problem, the mercenaries, the guy who's going to have your solution. Absolutely. Now let's go to the detective. Let's go back to him. Now the detective gives the GM a range of options. Story. He, uh, the, the detective stories are, like I said, are street level. They're, they're, uh, they're wide in detail, but narrow in scope. Meaning that, uh, if you're, if you're a cop, a detective on the police force, you have a precinct, which is anywhere between five and 10 city blocks. So all of your stories are going to revolve around there. So you can really flesh out your world. That's true. That's true. Yes, yes. All, all of the all of the supporting characters will have backstories because they're all the same supporting characters. I mean, there's there's there's, there's needle nose Jimmy, the the uh, the uh, crack slinger, on Fifth and Grand. I mean, uh, you will know his mom and his sister, who actually got out of the city and is now in college, came back to visit her mom. And Jimmy, who is in debt to the bookie, whom you also know because your kids go to school together. See, it's like that. You, you can really get that web in there. So it gets to be a really fun story. And then the, the uh, bad guys, the uh, bad guys are not this super powerful ubermensches that, that you get with a, a lot of campaigns. Like the, the main baddie is going to be like a, uh, a young dragon or a, or, a, or a necromancer or something like that. No, no, the, the main bad guy is, is going to be the the uh, the mid-level uh underboss to the to the uh section of the crime family that 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 slings BTL chips. You know, he's going to have a lot of guys with guns. He's he's going to maybe one guy with a little bit of magic, maybe one guy with a little bit of cyberware that help, help that has him stand out. But no way is he going to have, you know, the A-class guys. He's going to have C and D-class guys. Yeah, I so, was, uh, actually ran a campaign that was all detectives and that was actually really cool. Yeah, I mean the, you know, that's the way it is. An intrigue. Oh my God, the intrigue. Because because the, your world is so small, you you can write layer upon layer. I mean, as as you 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 can start off as a as a brand new detective, you get to know the city, and once you know the main players, then then you get to see the players behind the scene. You peel back that layer. You see you see uh, the the um, the uh, roving moving rave and like you. That's not so bad. You're not going to put a whole lot of time into that. But then you find out that the guys running the rave, it's actually a cover for human trafficking. You know, so you can you can add you can pull back layer after layer after layer. And even though your area is so small, I mean, you you've watched NCIS and all of the spinoffs. You can you can copy stuff from there and throw it in your Heck game. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, they've done all the work for you. All you got to do is watch TV to write a game in this in in this detective type scenario and it's great 
absolutely great. Now, there's the bad side. It's an all or nothing deal. I mean, if you have a detective campaign, everyone in that group has to fit into a detective campaign. You can't plug and play anyone in this thing. You have to be a detective, a captain, a rookie, a beat cop, a snitch, a, a professional snitch, a CI. Well, you could you could throw in stuff, throw in the occasional. Well, this is the a detective's best friend, and they've known each other forever, so he gets help from this mage occasionally. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. But you still, you have to make sure the background fits the campaign. It can't be. I just want to play a mage. I don't care. Yeah, oh, no, and no, by no, the way, to... my background is that my parents are both uh, half-dragons, and, you know, you can't have some crazy background because no, it no, just won't you know, work. You, you would not be in a street-level campaign if, you're, if, you're, if your godparents were dragons or whatever. You know, it's not going to happen. So you have to tailor your backstory to the campaign, unlike the mercenary, where you, um, you can actually have any, any backstory you want. It'll fit in almost any campaign. This is the opposite. You have to tailor your backstory to fit this specific campaign, and it is a small pigeonhole telling you so you don't have a whole lot of range at character creation of what your backstory is going to be and there's not going to be a lot of travel like i said you got five to ten square blocks that's your turf outside of that you have no power whatsoever so yep, you stay, you're out of your jurisdiction you're out of your jurisdiction exactly we've all seen those movies you know you're out of your jurisdiction you're done you know which you know, honestly can be a great game hook yeah it can it can i mean you're gonna have once in a while that that someone you know like say the um the uh uh crack slinger's sister who came back she to see her mom she's actually kidnapped and taken to the the uh a yakuza brothel but it's outside your district well you got after hours you got to go out and get her because the yakuza is paying off the cops in in that district to never come by no matter what so you got to go in there and do it yourself see that's a good campaign right there that's a good adventure yeah yeah, and that it's easy because because the detective campaign lends itself to that to that easy street level stuff. And you're not going to get that super feeling. You're not going to get kind of power creep because the, the department does not want cops on the street who 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 uh, load themselves up with metal. It makes the people afraid, which you know, is to, not to, helpful. No, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not sure. It's it's helpful busting and busting and crack dens and and BTL operations, but. You know, actually walking on the streets like that's a cop. Oh my God, the police are mil militarizing. Oh my God, you know, and 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 having a having a really high level mage. You know, well, no, number one, a mage would would never be a street level cop because they just feel like that's kind of a waste of kind, kind of below them. They're thinking exactly. I get, I get, and the cops are always overwhelmed. I mean, uh, law and order in this dystopian future that is Shadowrun is on the low side to say the least. So there's not a whole lot of funding. There's not a whole lot of manpower. You're, uh, there's there's always uh, someone breathing down your neck to close this case, close this case, close this case. Even if it's not 100% sure what's going on, they still want you to close it. It's good enough. Just freaking close it. You know, you get that stuff. You're going you're gonna to have that stuff on you. And it just lends to the realism and the gritty feel of it, which I really, really liked. Yes, yes. Now, uh, you might want to say, why? Why? So, yeah, play, play one of these archetypes. Yeah, exactly. Because it's fun, man. Both of these guys are the fun ones. I mean, uh, both have great storytelling options. The the merc can be from anywhere, plug into any campaign. The the detective campaign itself is a playground of intrigue and backstory, and just you know, so you you can actually rip. Uh, rip campaigns out of the headlines, so just like just like they do for Law and Order. You can do that. 
it's great. You're, you're never going to run out of ideas because cops have been around for a long time and there's lots of cases. Just use one. There you go. And you get to be the underdog, man. You, you get to be the little guy who still comes out on top. You know, you, you're not full of metal. You're not, you're not full of magic. You just got, you just got your, your trusty revolver, your guts and wits and you win. It's great feeling. It's awesome. And like, like I said, the whole street level action thing, that's where it's at. I mean, if, if, if you want immersion into the role playing, this is the, this is the easiest way to do it. Loved it. It's also a good way to get in all your, I'm getting too old for this, or I'm too clear, two days from retirement jokes in. Yeah, you can do that too after a while. It's true. Now, uh, the, the cool thing about the detective campaign is that uh, you can actually rank up, you know, and then you could become, you know, you start off at, say, beat cop, and then you can get to sergeant, and then detective sergeant, and then detective, then detective lieutenant. Now, after that, going to straight lieutenant or captain, you're off the street. You wouldn't want to do that. You probably want to retire that character, put him in the lieutenant spot or the captain spot, make a new detective character coming in, and buy him as a contact or a friend in, during character creation. That's a good idea. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's great. I mean, if, if you play enough detective campaigns, you can, have, you can be literally friends with everyone on the force. <laughs> and you have cleaned up your precinct. Because now more of the cops are good guys like you were because they're, they're now your character. They were all your characters. So corruption and, and grift and graft and whatnot is all lessened in, in your precinct because of, because of you, you playing a detective over and over again. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah, which I think is kind of funny. And, and playing a mercenary, there is, no, there is no like, oh, now it's time to retire, you know, un, un, until you're actually aged out. Because – uh, that, that, that gun you bought 20 years ago, sure, they may have better guns, but that gun still works fine. You know, you can just keep collecting more and more weapons, unlike, unlike a Decker who has to constantly upgrade his software or it falls behind the curve and becomes less effective over time. Your guns never become less effective. Mages have to keep studying their craft or else their libraries be, uh, become less and less effective. That's true. That's true. Yeah, you don't have to do that with a mercenary. You know, bullets last a long time. You can stock them. And uh, for 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 cyber for uh, cyber samurais, uh, you know, they have to have maintenance on that stuff, and it's not cheap. Maintenance on a gun costs like twenty bucks, and that that gun gun oil lasts for like six months. You know, it's pretty cheap. So you can keep collecting more and more stuff, and none of that stuff's gonna go bad. It's great. I oh, man. I agree. I love those guys. I love them. Love them to death. Well, and also also a lot of times people kind of look past these things just because they're not specialists. They're not throwing the crazy magics, and they're not full of metal, and they're not the street samurais. But they're incredibly useful and incredibly fun. Yes. Yes. I mean, if it look past the flash in the pan – and go to the actual substance, and you're going to find people like the mercenary and the detective. They're 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 the ones who are going to make a campaign work. Because street samurai, yeah, street samurais can't complete a campaign on their own. Mages, well, except for a couple, cannot complete a campaign on their own. A mercenary or a detective can complete a campaign with just mercenaries and detectives. Seriously. 
Now, sure, it's nice to have some mages backing you up and stuff. No, it's nice that, but it's yeah, but it's not necessary because the the mercenary has such utility, and the the detective he's in a detective campaign. He has options. He has power. He 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 can call for a for a helicopter. He he can uh, he can he can uh, organize a SWAT team. He can do all that stuff. He has that ability. It doesn't cost him a dime. It's taxpayer money. It doesn't cost him a dime. He's got to use your resources wisely, and you're good. Exactly. I mean, you, you can't overuse that stuff, or the, the lieutenant's going to say no. You know, you got to have you got to have some proof. You got to put in a little work. But for a little work, you get you get a ten man tactical team. All right. I'll do a little snooping for that. You just got to make sure that it's uh, you're right, because if you're wrong, it's going to be your butt. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to get, you know, the, the first time you're wrong, you're going to go through some retraining and stuff like that. The se- second time you, you waste a tack team and a, and a helicopter and, a, and a 15 wiretaps, then, yeah, you'll probably be demoted. So, yeah. Yeah, but, but you know, that's part of the fun of the yeah, campaign. But guess what? Uh, that, that is failing as a detective. Failing as a Shadowrunner means you died. <laughs> well, detectives can die too. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, they can die just getting shot in the back of the head, but so can everybody. That's true. But if you fail at your job, and you and you know the worst you can do is get fired or demoted. But if you fail at your job as a shadow runner, someone someone killed you. Well, if you get fired as a detective, you could re-roll as a merc, I guess. Yeah, there you go. And then plug you could actually plug right into the detective to the detective campaign as a vigilante street level hero punisher that's a little extreme but yeah you could go that way yes you could and it would fit into the detective game because the 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 detective would first would be uh the other detectives of the group would first be you know after you and then figure out what what you're doing like oh crap he's actually doing our job without all that paperwork and like i said this is a dystopian future this is gotham city and Seattle have a whole lot in common. So once once they figure out uh, that that your mercenary is doing some good works, they're gonna be dragging their feet catching you. As a matter of fact, they're gonna be working with you more often than not. Well, it could be something like if you're a failed detective, it could be like the new guys in the force have heard of you, or something like as long as you failed, and then like the same killer, like the same mo starts coming to these bodies, and they they have to come to you, and then you help them out, even though you're a failed detective because you didn't catch the guy. So you can get redemption, but there you're still you a merc. That work. Yeah. We just wrote a campaign right there. We did. I mean, if someone here, all they have to do is, is be, you know, is get this on YouTube tomorrow, write write some stuff down, and boom, they got a campaign. That's great. right. Blackjack Killer Returns. So, yes, and people who are doing that right now, Al Garthon Marsh, Brett Heathendog Grissomer, we want... We want to actually be no- noted in this campaign. We want to have our, our, our uh, you know, cred. I just want to know how the campaign goes. And then tell us how the campaign goes. That's yeah, that too. Yeah. Respect. Well, that's it for me. All right, well, thank you very much, Heathen Dog, for this review. As always, if you like these, you can like and subscribe to the YouTubes. You can also check out Heathen Dog's live streams where he goes through Star Trek Online and the super adventures of Buck Fats McCool. You want to talk a little about that? Oh, sure. Admiral Buck Fats McCool. He is is the the Kirk that Kirk could never be. That's right. (laughs) You, You thought Kirk was a space cowboy? Nothing. He is a wuss. Yes, Buck Fats McCool, 
uh, when given a choice between killing someone and saving someone, he chooses killing someone. Because he figured, I'm killing him probably saves more than one person, so I'll just do that. It's completely Bro- logical to him. Broader in ego, broader in girth. Broader, broader in scope and broader in vision. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> broader in scope and, and broader surrounded by more broads. Ah, ah, ah. The ladies. Be be respectful. He calls them his ladies. Uh, I was talking about your broadside cannons. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's it. All right, all right. Thank you very much, everyone. Let us move on to what we have next. What we have next to put in your ear holes and go into your brain is. Yes, Garthon's comic poll, where Garthon talks about three comics came out this week. A big week for comics, actually. Two big things happening in Marvel and DC. It's weird how they have big things going on at the same time. I don't know how that happens. But, first... Let's talk about U.S. Avengers. I've made no bones about how much I love Al Ewing's work. Um, and U.S. Avengers uh, is no different. This, though, is the beginning of Secret Empires. Like I said, some shop, Secret Empire opening salvo. Everyone knows, or if you're any sort of listener, or pay any attention to comic book world, uh, recently, well, a couple years now, Captain America it has become evil. His whole backstory was rewritten by the Cosmic Cube, to make him an agent of Hydra ever since the beginning. He's always been a shadow agent of Hydra. Not a Nazi. They're trying to make a distinction now, when there never was one before. Um, no. But they're trying to make one now. So, so, so he has always been a sleeper agent of Hydra. Hydra not being the Nazis, but an agency that wants to shadow take over the world for their own protection and rule them like lords. For their own protection. Uh, sure, sure, yeah, for their own good. Yep. According to the to the retcon history, uh, a bunch of people in charge of Hydra thought the Nazis had it going on, uh, teamed up with them, and it turned out badly for them. So yeah. uh, that, tactical error. Yeah, Captain America was actually highly against their team up with uh, the Nazis, um, but it didn't matter. The council he was he and was overruled by the council, and then the current Madam Hydra was also overruled. And uh, anyway, it was all. And who cares about all that? Terrible. Anyway, so in this, this was written by Al Ewing, uh, art by Paco Diaz, uh, covers Paco Medina. The uh, in this, I don't, how, do I, how far do I need to go back? Well, no, just just tell tell about the beginning of the comic where where uh, Steve Rogers goes to the to the well of magic or whatever. That's not no. That's you're thinking of Secret uh, Empire Zero. Oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. That's coming up later, right? Yes. Okay. Sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. Spoiler. <laughs> All right. So the uh, Sunfire, Roberto da Costa, formerly of the New Mutants, um, is in charge of the US Avengers. Uh, they have been brought. He is at the control of AIM, who have they turned into a good organization, and they have well, been brought uh, under the auspices of Shield. Yeah, what? Sunspot did that. Yeah, Sunspot. Yeah, is that what it's I said? Turned him good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, he said they. I was like, he did that. He's, he's yeah, well, cool. Sunspot turned them good because he's pretty cool. He's also incredibly yeah. smart and insanely rich. 
Um, he's like Bruce Wayne if he wasn't if his parents were alive and loved him, and also had superpowers. So he's smart. He's tough, but he's not a dick. You know. Yes. Part so of Batman, he like won the lottery. Yeah, basically like, won the lottery. Like all the lotteries, all the lotteries, the genetic lottery, the parent lottery, yeah, the brain lottery. <laughs> Superpowers, good looking, rich, parents love him, alive, yeah, all that. Yep, yep. Um, well, his original incarnation of the New Mutants, he was pretty much a dick because of it, though. Uh, he's mellowed over the years, which has been nice. But, and also. In like the early New Mutants comics, they would hint that he was a genius, but he was always just too lazy to do anything about it. And in this, he's actually been using his intellect. But in this, uh, Captain America, who's now the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., and by the way, did I mention evil, comes to him and says, Hey, you know, how you doing? I'm just coming by, saying hi, you're in the U.S. Avengers, you know, I love the Avengers, you know, you know Captain America. And it starts off like a friendly, quote-unquote, quote-unquote friendly chat. But DaCosta figures out pretty quickly that essentially Cap's come to threaten him. So there's a nice kind of back and forth between them of Cap, you know, oh, well, you know, there might be changes coming. I need to know if I could count on you if things are going on, you know. And DaCosta's like, uh-huh, why would that come up? I mean, we're a separate entity. We're the U.S. Avengers. We're, you know, so uh, there's also a side story with uh, Cannonball, Sam Guthrie, and his wife, Smasher, who is... Uh, the Guardian, who's part of the Guardians, not of the Galaxy, but working for the Kree Empire, I think. Uh, but they, there's a sub-story oh, with like them. The, the Royal Guard or something? Yeah. There's a yeah. sub-story with them wanting to return to Earth. Which is fine. Because I actually miss those characters. I thought Smasher was really cool when she was first introduced. But anyway. There's another sub-story with uh, Enigma... Aiku Jonin and Dr. Ho, uh, who is... I forget what power armor she carries she is. But them having relationship issues. But the main thrust of this is Cap is basically feeling out to Costa, trying to see if he can count on him when he flips the, the evil switch and takes tries to implement Hydra's evil across the world, which is he's so close to doing right now. He can taste it. He can taste the Hydra evil he's going to spread. Uh, phrasing. And, well, I don't know that's how it's going on. And so, in this, at the end of it, you see Cap talking with uh, his comp- his evil Hydra compatriots. And they're like, well, just a cost on the side. He's like, no, but I've already, but I subtly laid the seeds in him where he's going to start questioning his own team and blah, blah, blah. He's smart. Too smart by half, that one. He's smarter than he lets on. But then you see DaCosta going over, like, going over, like, in his mind when he's talking about the Cap. And then, like, reviewing screens, and he, you, they don't say it outright, but it looks seems like he figures out that Cap is Hydra on his own. Okay. So I'm assuming that when the Secret Empire kicks off, we're going to count the U.S. Avengers to be against them. But uh, it was kind of a nice scene where Cap is talking about how, ha, 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 he's smarter than he lets on, but I have already laid the seeds of doubts in his mind. And it, but I'm pretty sure DaCosta's already figured out that Cap's doing, because he's honestly smarter than evil Hydra Cap. Because Evil Hydra Cap is... Captain America is one of my favorite characters. But subtle political manipulation has never been his strong point. And it should not be. No, no. So if all of a sudden it became like, oh yes, ever since my back was written history because I'm so good at hiding that I'm actually an Evil Hydra agent all these years, now I can subtly manipulate people. 
Well, that's really dumb. You and your stupid pikey shield are dumb. Anyway, uh, I liked this issue. Didn't love it. I liked it. I liked the side stories going on mostly. Art was great. Moved the story along very nicely. It was good to see some old faces. We hadn't seen Cannonball at all in U.S. Avengers. I don't think he's even been mentioned until now. When he was a part of the previous comic quite a bit. So I'll give it a... Three and a half out of five. It's not quite a four star. It's a little... Uh, I'll give it a three. It's above average. Not enough to be great. About three out of five. Maybe a strong three. Strong three out of five. Maybe three and a half. Okay. Not a four. Okay. Got it. I liked Got it. reading it. Not a lot. There's zero action in the whole book, though. Like, zero. Oh, yeah. It's it's all intrigue and whatnot. Yeah. Well, like, there is a scene where Cannonball and Smasher are beating up some guys, but it's very perfunctory. It's like a splash page and beating up some guys, then they go home and have dinner. So there's the perfunctory, Aww. you know, we ha- it's a comic book. We need combat. Domesticated bliss. Yes, exactly. So it's... Uh, I liked it how... What I did like was how it definitely laid some groundwork showing, if in case you weren't totally aware of what's going on, like Cap is obviously something going on with him. He obviously has a side agenda. He's obviously being an evil douche. And it's nice seeing people reacting to it. I, so it was a nice groundwork line thing for the whole Secret Empire thing. And I appreciated it on that level. So yeah, I'll give it three and a half because I appreciated that so much. There you go. Yeah. Not the greatest issue ever. But it worked for what it was very well. Three and a half to five. Secret Empire. Opening salvo. USA Avengers. Number five. Next book. Speaking of which, Secret Empire number zero. Oh, look at Cap. Look at that picture if you can see it. He's evil as the day is long. He has a big Hydra symbol under his uniform. He's wearing a second uniform. That's got to be unwieldy, I guess. Anyway, I didn't... I would not have gone with this cover because it's kind of silly when you start thinking about it logically. Like, why is his sleeve torn off but his gloves aren't? Is he just wearing a vest Hydra uniform? Because you don't see tatters. No, it's just symbolism. That's all it is. It's silly. Anyway, let's talk about Secret Empire Zero. It was written by Nick Spencer with art by Daniel Acuna. Acuna Matata. Yes. I wonder if that's a Filipino name. <laughs> I'm sure like he Filipino. gets that a lot. He's probably sick of that. Probably. <laughs> All right. So Marvel's big event for the summer is Secret Empire, where Evil Cap has manipulated his way to be in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D. and used the events of the last Secret Wars thing with the seeing the future thought crime stuff. He's manipulated all that to his own advantage to become in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., put anyone who, who would oppose him on the outs or by his side. Smart. Yeah, smart. He's laid a path of evil behind him. He's hooked back up with the original Madam Hydra from the 30s, um, who got retconned to be an original Madam Hydra somehow. And they actually, this is actually a really great issue in that if you knew nothing of what was happening before, and you needed a quick, okay, what's the Secret Empire thing about? This is this all will, you need. This will lay out all the groundwork for you. Yep. It goes a little weird with him, like, going into some pool and stuff. And yeah, that... magical pool to, to uh, see. Uh, and and I, read the, I, read the, I read the beginning. Okay. And uh, um, he, he goes to the Hydra Magical Headquarters type thing. 
and they tell them, okay, the um, the uh, the allies are using a cosmic cube. They're going to erase that we won, and we're gonna they're gonna end up winning instead. So we're gonna put you into this magical bath to protect you from the changes. You have to make sure Hydra succeeds. Right, which again is another massive retcon of history. Yes, yes. Now, now we're thinking that uh, originally, originally, like OG world, Hydra won, and the, the the remnants of the allies got a hold of a cosmic cube, made sure that they won, and now Hydra is trying to to double cross or whatever by 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 putting a, a quote unquote sleeper agent, which is uh, Steve Rogers, uh, in, into the mix. To, to bide their time later on, uh, grow grow his power over 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 the years, and then boom. Right, because at the magic at the magic pond, Hydra has some sort of soothsayer chained to the pond where he's not allowed to leave, where he sees the future where Steve Rogers will get frozen and wake up in another time. So right. like, oh dude, well if that's gonna happen, we need to put you out there. Yeah, yeah, we need to you know we need to go, uh, get a hold of that. Uh that really good plot device and use it to our advantage because they're, you know, it, they're going to be no guard, you know, when you wake up in 60, 70 years, or whatever, none. Yeah. They're, so, they're, they're going to put that cosmic cube away, forget all the research. They're not going to be able to do it again. And we'll finally win in the end. Right. Which as a longtime comic fan, that whole thing just aggravates the crap out of me because the cosmic cube wasn't even mentioned in comics till the seventies, you know? So that really pisses me off. It's like, I know you, but history got retconned by the cube, I guess. It's just, ah, it's so dumb. Anyway, as a story, it works. It just really is annoying. Because you know, you know all this is going to end with everything getting fixed back the way it was by the Cosmic Cube. You can already see it. It's telegraphed from a mile away. Anyway, the... uh The issue is actually very interesting in that you start seeing all the stuff that Cap has done over the past like year, being evil Cap, to turn everything to his advantage. Uh, like the construction of the giant shield around the Earth, which he acted like he was opposed to, but secretly was very much for. Um, becoming the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., which he acted like he didn't want it, but he really, really did. Um, uh, not being able to apprehend these criminals... Um, having the Red Skull become weakened, all the stuff he put into place for him to be where he needs to be. Um, also the fact that um, an Earth scientist was researching on a Chitari, the Chitari being originally from the Avengers movie, now they're part of the comic world, the crazy aliens who showed up, a Chitari queen, and since they had a queen on Earth, all her minions were going to come to rescue her. So basically, in he engineered... With Hydra, uh, an extraterrestrial invasion of Earth by the Chitari. When that happens, they put up the giant shield around the Earth. Well, they tried, they're trying to put up the shield, but oh no, we can't get the shield up, oh no. And Iron Man and Riri Williams, the new Iron Heart, are like, oh no, we're trying to fix it, but, but there's this big explosion, and, and all these villains are breaking out and attacking everywhere. Oh, it's chaos, mass chaos across the world, everyone's fighting, everyone, oh. Basically, every superhero has to get off their butt and start fighting. Nitro, the guy who caused the first secret war by blowing up a bunch of kids, is out and he blows up a big chunk of New York City. Um, mass chaos is happening, and people are desperate for heroes to save them. And then, you know, it's like just when everything is about to go to hell, the Chari is going to take over the entire world, and all the bad guys are going to kill everyone at that moment. They managed to turn the Earth's shield back on, and it blocks the Chitari out, and it was like, yay! 
And, of course, Iron Man and Ironheart, who are working on the shield, go, how did that happen? We didn't fix it. How did it start working? Well, well, great. It did. Great. Let's fix the other problem. Um, and so with the shield of front Earth, um, all the people fighting out in space, like Hyperion, who's basically Marvel's equivalent of Superman. Yeah. Uh, nuclear Superman, essentially. True. Um, Captain Marvel. Um, Quasar. Quasar, who's super buff. America Chavez. Basically, a whole bunch of like super cosmic level uh, heroes were fighting out in space to block the invasion. And they're locked out now. Yeah, basically they're on the other side of the shield now, beating up the Chitauri, like, yay, we can take him down. Um, inside the shield, on Earth, there's still all these things happening, but Cap starts locking them down. And he starts sending a communication up to the people beyond the shield, like, okay, Cap, we, we got this, and you can open up open up a hole in the shield so we can get back in. He's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. I The shield, they're like, what? Well, you know... You know, Captain Marvel, this uh, shield is meant to keep out the greatest threats to Earth and to the stability of it. And the stability of the Earth and its governance is now my primary concern. And this shield needs to keep its enemies out, and you're one of them. So, uh, later. This is the last time we'll ever talk. Kachik! Hope you like the moon. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So he basically locks out all these cosmic-level threats behind a shield that they asked for, that they lobbied for, that they fought for. Congratulations, guys. You got your shield. Now you're screwed. Um, meanwhile, inside the shield, so basically no extraterrestrial force can now get to Earth. Inside the shield, it looks like uh, shield <laughs> is stabilizing things. Like, yeah, we got them on the run when they get rammed by another helicarrier of Hydra Origins. Hydra Origins storm the bridge, and Cap's like, whoa, everyone stop, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Everyone's like, what do you mean, don't shoot? And Sheriff's like, okay, it's Cap, we can trust him, he has a plan. That's Agent 13, the subdirector of S.H.I.E.L.D., Cap's longtime girlfriend. Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter. And uh, so they all lower their weapons, and Cap goes, okay, hail Hydra, we own this bitch now. And they're like, she's like, wait, you're, you're joking, Steve. This is this is a trick, right? <laughs> That's a bad joke. <laughs> this, is, this isn't, this isn't, this, you're, this, what? And so she just can't believe it, as they haul her butt to, to Hydra prison. And they're like, yay, hail Hydra! So, uh, yeah. The stage is set at that point. The most powerful forces are now stuck outside the shield. Cannot help. Um, everyone inside, half of them have been uh, corrupted by Cap to think that he he's not really Hydra. He's just trying to help everyone be stable and save the world. Um, but through the chaos he caused, he's caused to create a situation where, because everything on the planet has gone to hell, essentially... He's gotten all these people to look for any stability and any solution. They'll turn to the dictator if he could offer them stability and safety from the evil monsters. And that's what he's counting on. Yeah, it's human nature. Yeah, it is human nature. That's how despots take power, and he has set that in motion. You know, you may not be able to trust all those rogue heroes out there. Look at all the destruction they cause. And that's part of what happened with the supervillain attacks on the major cities. The villains on purposely set up scenarios where to stop them, the heroes had to create massive damage. On, even if it meant like, well, I throw this guy to protect people, I still blow up a bunch of people, but not as many as would have died, guess what? You still blew up a bunch of people. Well, the bad guy did, but you threw that bad guy there. They created all these types of situations on purpose so that the heroes look bad. But the heroes who are on Cap's side, as, you know, Hail Hydra, even though they don't necessarily at this point know they're helping Hydra, look kind of good. So... That's the situation. 
Uh, it's not necessarily the same kind of setup as Secret uh, as the Civil War or Secret War. Well, especially the Civil War, where the heroes fight heroes over an ideal. This looks like Cap and Hydra teaming up to beat up um, the heroes. Uh, there's also subplots in here where Winter Soldier, a.k.a. Bucky, has been captured by Helmet Zemo, Baron Zemo's son, um, and strapped to a recreation of the rocket that Bucky was originally on where he uh, quote-unquote died before he became Winter Soldier. And it's like, you killed my father, he was a great man. And Winter Soldier's like, no, Cap will save me. He's like, you idiot, Cap's a Hydra. He's been on our side the whole time. He's like, I don't, I don't believe you. He, there's a, then he shows a recorded message from Cap, like, you know, Buck, I liked you and all, but uh, hail Hydra, uh, you killed Zemo, and I blame you for that forever, and I never really liked you. And he's like, but that's not Cap. Cap wouldn't say that. So, nope. Okay, then uh, keep that as your dying thought. Button press. Yeah, exactly, and launches him, out, launches him out to die, which he may or may not. He probably won't, the way things are. Um, also, a weird story with uh, – this has been going on in Thunderbolts where uh, Selvig, who was first introduced into the Marvel Universe in the Thor movies, uh, the scientist who uh, worked with Thor and all them. But okay. Selvig is also a Hydra agent, but he was also one of the people who worked closely with the – uh, physical embodiment of the cosmic cube named Kobik, who was a sweet little girl who also was raised at the knee of the Red Skull and believed in the philosophy of Hydra, and she's the one who rewrote all this crap to make Cap evil. But during the Thunderbolts things, um, Hydra did not want Kobik. They want the cosmic cube. So they managed to crack the cube, which uh, caused Kobik to disappear. So they're now trying to reassemble with the Thunderbolts, Selvig and Fixer, who is like evil Iron Man, are trying to reassemble the Cosmic Cube together so they could use it. Selvig's argument is like, you know, we could just like get make the let the cube reassemble itself, bring Kobik back, and then you know we could just ask her to help us, and she will. And they're like, you know, we don't need some stupid little girl. We need a Cosmic Cube. So uh, no, we're not doing that. We're gonna find this last piece of the cube that you guys lost, put it back together, and uh, hail Hydra. So I was like, yeah, okay, cool. And he, but there's a subplot. No, this, wait, 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 wait. To, to be fair, that's probably smart. I mean, little girls are vindictive. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, you don't it, want her coming back. Right. If you're Hydra in this case, yeah, you don't want the little girl around. You just want your freaking cube. You don't want to have to go through the OS little girl 2.0. You know. Right. Right. So, but so they didn't take into account just how attached Selvik was to Kobik. Selvig considered Kobik like his daughter essentially. Because he was the one bringing her up most of the time when she wasn't teleporting out at night to go hang out with uh, Red Skull. Um, so he has this deep attachment to her. And right when it looks like they're getting the pieces together and Fixer's like, great, we can set this crap up, he ends up uh, stunning, uh, tasering Fixer right to the face, destroying Ouch. their research, and shooting himself in the back of the head with a ray gun. While yelling Hell Hydra to die. Uh, so he kills himself so that they can never reconstruct the cube. So that Kobit can live again. Maybe he's hoping that Kobit will resurrect him? Maybe? That was weird. Well, it is kind of weird, but it's one of those things is like... He has a rewritten background by Kobit, by the Cosmic Cube as well. In his original background, he would never be pro-Hydra. 
But oh. his rewritten background, he's all Hail Hydra, heck yeah. And a lot of his Hail Hydra-ness was actually mind-controlled by Red Skull. We're using Professor X's brain, which he no longer has, thank God. So that's an interesting subplot as well. So we can only assume Kobuk's going to come back, see what kind of chaos she's caused, and put everything back the way it was. That's what I'm guessing. But sounds sounds about right. Yeah, but I'm saying this is a great issue in that if you don't know anything about Secret Empire, if you don't know anything about the lead-in, all you need is this issue, and it will pretty much catch up to speed. So it's pretty brilliant as issue zero. Usually they're not that good. This one's a pretty thick issue, and it lays all, almost all of it out. You're going to be some like, who's this? Why is that? But that's normal. But it will act as a great premier, I think, for the Secret Empire series. Great. I just hate the evil Hydra Cap angle. I understand. But for, for this book, for what it does and what it is, what do you rate it? Uh, I give it a four out of five, maybe in four and a half. I liked, well, actually, no, I'll give it a four because I didn't think the art was that strong. Um, oh, okay. The art did a good job with pacing, uh, setting scenes. I just thought the art wasn't great. Um, they could have got a better artist, uh, hopefully one who wouldn't put, you know, pro Korahan messages in there. Um, yeah. A little yeah. X-Men Gold joke. The I, the art is solid. It's better than I could. I'm not going to lie about that. But it just seemed like some of the character sketches were kind of lazy. Um, I did like the parts in the beginning, how they prefaced it with Maria Hill um, and showing her situation. Because Maria Hill is is not a well-loved character in the Marvel Universe. Well, I mean, no. in the comics. She's a fun character in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, 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 yeah. In the Marvel Universe, she's great, but in the comics nowadays, she is a pariah. Yeah, she's a pariah. And cause she's she's, radioactive. Yeah, she's not afraid to push around to get her goals. Um, but I am getting tired of over and over again seeing this every time there's a major event. It's like, Maria Hill, it's your last chance. Oh, you're out, Maria. We don't need you. You're wrong yet again. And then all hell breaks loose, and she ends up in charge again at the end of it because everyone else was wrong and stupid. And this is going to happen again. Everyone else was wrong and stupid. She was right the whole time. And when they put her back in charge, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, come on now. It's just kind of a trope at this point. Uh, anyway, uh, I'll give it a four to five. The art needed to be better, but there's that. The color color was pretty good. Not, not outstanding. Um... The art just seemed kind of rushed to me, but it did do a good job of setting scenes. It wasn't hard to follow what was happening. Um, I thought the background's real nice. Yeah, four to five. Secret Empire, number zero. I'm looking forward, I'm very much looking forward to the Secret Empire uh, series. Yeah, actual series. Yeah. Yes. Can you guess why that is? No. Because at the end, Cap will finally be good again. Oh, that's it? Come on. That's it. It'll fix all this stupid evil cap, uh, mind-controlling Red Skull stuff. It'll fix all that crap. It'll all go away. And, at the end of it, the comics will go back to their proper numbering scheme. So, all the silly, you know, two-issue, ones-a-year thing, um, the comics will go back to their proper numbering schemes. So, Captain America will issue, like, 600-something. You know, things like that. 400 something? Something right. like that. Okay. So that'll be nice. Anyway, that's Secret Empire number zero. I'd recommend to buy it. I really would. Even with the art could be better aside, the art's not bad at all. Um, 
At first, I thought this was important. Surprised they didn't get a better issue, a better artist. Anyway, solid issue. Thumbs up. Four to five. Last, we're talking about the big one. Believe it or not, that is not the big one this week. The big one this week is Batman number 21. That one has a special lenticular cover on it that if you, uh, that like makes it look like Batman's like hand is moving slightly. And then if you turn it off, it turns into Flash holding the button. Uh, that button with the blood spatter on it will be instantly recognizable to any semi-hardcore comic fan as from, you know from, Heathen Dog? From Comedian of the Watchmen. Wow. I wouldn't even call you semi-hardcore. That's good. <laughs> I, I own the books. So. All right. Yeah, that is uh, from Comedian on the Watchmen. Uh, Watchmen is an incredibly famous comic book graphic novel. Um, Written not by sh- a complete certified whack job. Oh, he's a whack job. He's, he's a good, though. Job. Yeah. But uh, The Watchmen was released in the 80s. Uh, mainly it's kind of a protest against Reagan, honestly. But yeah. it was a... Made into a movie. Yeah, made into a movie. A good movie, uh, which, actually. What year was that? Yeah, it was ago. a good movie. But the yeah. series was brilliant when it was released. Uh, it's overhyped since then. Uh, it's still good. It holds up, mostly. But... Watchmen was never meant to be part of the mainline DC universe at all, ever. It was always its own thing. But DC wants to make money, and the Watchmen make money, so the Watchmen universe is merging painfully with the DC universe. Now, I thought that all the Final Crisis stuff and the New 52 stuff and the Metrocity or whatever the heck stuff they did, I thought every single massive series DC does is to fix their continuity, and this ain't helping. So, again, DC, great job with those massive multi-crossover series. Your crises, uh, they fail every time. Good job. Anyway, uh, this was set up earlier where Batman found this in the Batcave. And him and Flash got some weird, got some weird readings off of it. Uh, when Flash touched it, he had a weird vibration out of this world or something. I should really start saying some vital deets about this. This was written by Tom King uh, with art by Jason Fabcock, who also did the cover. Uh, Fabok, not Fabcock, sorry. Fabok? But this is the button, part one. Um, so, in this, Batman's turned to analyze this button he found, because he knows it's not in this world, so it's weird about it. Um, and he says, hey, I think I found something very important about this. He calls Flash. I need your need your help. Flash's like, oh, I'm fighting a uh, was it a samurai android invasion right now? A little busy. It's like I need you need you here. It's like give me a minute. It's like no problem. So a few seconds later, there's like a whoosh, and Batman's like, oh, you got here early, and turns around. It's like no. Oh, it's like Flash got here. Like no, not Flash. Quite the reverse actually. And it turns around. It's reverse Flash. What? Where'd that come from? Well, he actually brings it up as he beats the living snot out of Batman. Just brutalizes him. Because what's Batman going to do in a fist fight against Reverse Flash? Nothing. Not well, uh, die hard. Yeah, he gets beat up a lot. And Batman, you know, you know, basically started kind of talking, trying to talk him, you know, trying to use his mind on him. And, of course, Batman's trying to fight back. And Reverse Flash is like, what are you even doing? This is ridiculous. You, you can't, You can't stop me. It's like, and Batman tries to attack me, just blurs, you know, and Batman passes through him. He's like, you can't even attack me. Every time I blur, I'm, you can't touch me. 
because I'm not where you think I am. He's like, yeah, we still got to be on the floor, and he stabs a boomerang right, uh, battering right through his foot, nice. which uh, which uh, works, because he still has to have contact with the floor, which stops him from blurring. He's like, ah, he still just ends up pulling his foot out of it and uh, continuing to beat the crap out of Batman, while revealing that he shouldn't even reverse slice picture reveals he was dead, but something brought him back to 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 make sure to to get. To get Batman to stop him, he's happy to do it because he was dead and he knows he was dead. He doesn't remember being dead, but he knows he was, and he doesn't want to be dead, so he's going to take out Batman. Um, and he finds Batman smiling. Like, wait, wait, wait! I'm about to kill you. Why are you? Why are you smiling? He's like, because I don't need to stop you. I just need to delay you for a minute. And then you see, like, because this whole time there's been a timer going in the bottom of the of the screen. Oh, he didn't tell me that. That's cool. Yeah. It was like, it was cool. Like, sometimes you'd be like, you know, 30, you know, 50 seconds. Because you'll see, like, Batman attacking. It's like 58, 57, 56. And then you'll see, like, first slash punch him, like, five times. 56, 56, 56, 56. Oh, yeah. that's cute. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was pretty clever. I liked it. Uh, so, first, so, one minute comes up, and there's no flash. And first slash is like, huh, guess not. Overtime. And Batman's like, huh. Overtime, and Reverse Flash just almost kills him. Just knocks him out cold. Blood is everywhere. And like, all right, that's this little doodad. And he grabs the button. He's like, whoa, this isn't from this world, is it? This has a weird vibration off of it. And then you see him like use the speed force to vibrate at its frequency and disappear. Why? Why? Because he Why? wants to know where it goes. He's Reverse Flash. He's a scientist. He didn't. He didn't finish his job. Well, Batman's pretty dead. He's, oh, okay, never mind. He's not, um, so he goes and he vibrates, and then you see him like appear back, and he just has a shocked look in his face. He's like, I saw God. I saw. And he starts dissolving with this blue or energy around him. Hmm. Blue like Dr. Manhattan, one might say. Um, and so he like turns to like half skeleton, dissolves away, and falls over. And then Flash shows up. He's like, oh, sorry I was late. Um, I had to. St- I stopped by the the hockey game because there was a little preview. There was like a pre sh- uh, pre show. In the very first few pages, it shows people watching a hockey game where some people kind of flip out and fight each other. So Flash says, "Oh, I went to the hockey game to see if I could help out, but it turned out it was too late." He's like, "Oh, oh!" And then he sees like the dead reverse Flash and Batman, nearly dead, beaten to a pulp, and that's where it ends. See, the the guy didn't finish his job, and he deserved to die because of it. Well, I guess so. He was brought back to life for one thing, and he didn't complete it, so he dies. That's yep. how it works. So, interesting event going on. It, um, they've actually been hinting at this in other Batman comics and other comics, that Dr. Manhattan is trying to murder... Well, from what has been leaked out, like the Watchmen's universe is collapsing, and Dr. Manhattan is trying to save it by merging it into the Prime DC world, and it's not going well. Because of all the like final crises and second crises and next to last crises and the crises on infinite Earths and the crises in infinite Minnesotas or whatever. Yeah, the the uh, DC universe is a is a giant piece of scar tissue. Right. Because of all this, it's actually really hard for him to do that. And so all these problems are happening. Um, so I'm interesting how this is going to go, like how. It, shakes out in the end because I have no idea really what the end game of this is I, I guess the end game is to make the two histories one I guess that's what it's going to finish with I don't you could just do that by simply saying oh yeah that was always part of DC 
You could just do that. But there are some hard, comic grognards who would say, no, that doesn't make any sense. You must explain it to us. And that's what they're doing. So it could be a great ride. It could be a terrible ride. First issue is very strong. Art was just fantastic, top-notch. Love the pacing. Love the framing. Um, I didn't like the opener showing the hockey game where he had some person like, no, this is all where it starts. And she like has a premonition, so you know she's going to come back. I could have done without that. It was kind of pointless. And they spent a lot of pages, it seemed to me, and a lot of panels on trying to like do some correlation of this hockey game and the two universes merging and how one kills the other. That's the corollary they're trying to draw there. Kind of heavy-handed, really boring to read. Didn't like it. Could have skipped it. Would have made the comic better. Um, would have added more pages of a stronger reasoning of Reverse Flash being there. Uh, more conversation. A little more of that. Okay. And it's uh, yeah, and, uh, information. I, that's what I'll get. An also interesting thing, though, and I give the artist credit on this. The artist gives a lot of credit to me in this. The artist just did great. The uh, When Reverse Flash shows up, Remember in the Watchmen how every page was a grid, basically, of, was it like four panels by three? Or four by four? Anyway, the panels were a solid grid every time. That's how the panels suddenly turn in this. Nice. And it stays that way until... Plus, though, the whole whole beating of Batman is is analogous to the beating the comedian got in the beginning. Exactly. It was all very one-sided. You really couldn't win. Yep, and that's what happens like here that. as well. Yeah, so nice. And it pretty much stays yep. that way until the beating stops. I think it... I have to double-check the issue I have in front of me, but I think it stands that, stays that way pretty much until um, Reverse Flash disappears and comes back. And is dead. So I like that as a nice yep. nod to the Watchmen comics. Uh, so great pacing, great setup. Could have done without the hockey allegory in the beginning. Still would have worked. I know what they're trying to do. It, it, it's, uh, it just was really boring to read. But uh, I'll, I'll give this one four and a half, maybe even five out of five. Really loved it. Great start. A better start even than Secret Empire Zero because maybe I'm not as hateful toward Evil Cap. Um, but yeah, this could be great. This could also be terrible. But very, very, very good. Very strong. Well, with with DC's past on things like this, it's probably going to be a, a, a disaster. It probably is. Probably is. Um, their big crossover events have been kind of lame ever since. Well, Forever Evil was a high martyr mark. Honestly. Um, before that, the uh, the Green Lantern stuff, the Jeff Johns Green Lantern stuff was just fantastic. Uh, with uh, their Lantern, uh, Brightest Day, Blackest Night stuff, th- those were great. Right, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Flashpoint was great. They're also using a lot of elements from Flashpoint here. Um, Because there was actually a remnant of Flashpoint where Bruce Wayne's dad... Oh, my gosh, just forgot his name. um, In the other universe, in the Flashpoint world, as you might recall if you ever read the Flashpoint series, which you should as a comic fan if you are. It's great. But part of what happened in the Flashpoint world was instead of Bruce Wayne's parents being shot outside the theater, Bruce was shot outside the theater. Which made his father become Batman and drove his mother crazy and turned her into the Joker. 
which I thought was just mean. It was mean, but it was also really dark and twisted when you found out. It it worked so well. Um, it was mean, but it worked really well. Um, and also did a lot to explain the love, weird love relationship between Joker and Batman. How Joker's just obsessed with Batman. So that, anyway, but in the Flashpoint universe, Flash when he was actually teamed up with that Batman, Thomas Wayne, and when he were setting things to like the way the universe was supposed to be, you know, Thomas Wayne knew what was going to happen because he's and but basically other people found out like wait well, if we fix this is Flashpoint they fair like if we fix this world we're going to stop existing and you knew about this and Thomas Wayne Batman was like yeah. I would give up everything if my son alive again. I don't care if I have to be dead in that world. Oh, at, at the end of that uh, series, did, did uh, Thomas Wayne write Bruce a note? Yes, at the end of that. Yes, okay, got it. Yep. Uh, Thomas Wayne wrote Bruce a letter saying that he's proud of him and he loves him because he, he's hurt and you know he's sorry you couldn't be there. And that letter got flashed up delivering that letter to him. Um, so... And in this, you see that prized possession of his in a glass case. Reverse Flash pulls out and says, aw, because Reverse Flash is from that other world, from Flashpoint. It's like, oh, look at this. Tommy left a note for you. I bet he was really freaking happy when that happened. Because Reverse Flash's universe got destroyed in Flashpoint. So you can see why he was a little upset that Thomas Wayne got to send a little keepsake to his little boy. And so he tears the note up into teeny tiny pieces and just... Oh, it's cold-blooded. Yeah, it just makes poor Batsy flip. And uh, so, yeah, destroyed his one prized possession. The one thing he had to remember his father by. Well, other than the money and mansion. Um, but, like, a real connection to his father. And destroyed it right in front of him. Before continuing to beat the living hell out of him. Sure, sure, yeah, of course. Before he died, thanks to uh, Deus Ex Machina. But I really like... <laughs> Literally. Yeah, literally. almost Dr. literally. Manhattan is that. Yeah, he did become a god from a machine. That's true. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like I said, four and a half out of five. Very strong issue. Um, this is, I hate to say what's going to be a collector's item, but this probably will be, especially on Tacular Cover. It's a really cool cover. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, yeah, four to five. Very strong. Very good Batman number 21. Highly recommend it. Yeah, and that's it for Garthon's comic poll. If you have any comments or, or criticisms or you would just want to say how awesome I am with my opinions, that's fine. You disagree with me, let me know. If you think there's a series I should be reading, let me know. And maybe I will. Maybe you'll see your suggestion reviewed on Garthon's comic poll. As always, like or subscribe if you like what's going on and get more delivered directly to you every single day or week. At least week, you know, come on. Live streams once a week. But lots of stuff, stuff going up every day at LegionMyth.com. LegionMyth on YouTube. So, it's now time for the RNG, Heathen Dog. The random times we talk about whatever we want. What you got? All right, let's see here. Let's see here. This week, what happened to me? Hmm. Oh, I, I looked through a whole bunch of games for, for Legion of Myth. And I and I actually uh, played uh, the one you you suggested. Oh, Master um, X Master. Master X Masters. So I played it, and it felt like it felt like a uh, League of Legends, the way it played. In a lot of ways, it is. Yeah. Yes, and I didn't like League of Legends. <laughs> I 
so so I didn't I didn't like Master X Master either. I, that's where it um, was. Um, I actually like Master X Master uh, because the control scheme is somewhat similar to League of Legends, and the perspective is similar. But that is pretty much where the similarities end. Um, it you can do like some laning minion-y thing as well. They have that. But the strength of Master X Master lies in all the solo stuff you could do. Um, they have a lot. They have some really cool story missions you can go through. Basically, they've taken the League of Legends formula and made it a lot more interesting to me. Uh, I actually find the characters they have going there pretty interesting as well. Some of them, most of them, are original to the game, but a lot of them pull from different NCSoft properties, uh, like characters from Blade and Soul or Aeon or. Even statesman from City of Heroes. Yeah, yeah, that I was I was pumped for a second. I thought I thought it was gonna be like more like City of Heroes than than it was. Oh no, it's nothing like City of Heroes. I know. I'm like, oh no, I got disappointed again. Oh. Well, a lot of people are actually kind of insulted by statesman being in Master X Master, or let's just say MXM is faster. But a lot of people are actually pretty pretty ticked off when they saw statesman being introduced to MXM. Because people don't want the City of Heroes fans don't want a League of Legends game to play Statesman, who a lot of people didn't like that character in City of Heroes. They liked their own characters. A Statesman they thought was kind of a douche, and there are actually some, and especially since Statesman was actually kind of the avatar character of the director of the game, who a lot of people didn't like, and when he left, they actually ended up killing off Statesman, much to the cheers of many fans of City of Heroes. So, if you know that background, it becomes an odd choice, especially considering how NCSoft just unceremoniously shut down City of Heroes. Even yeah, though it was. Lots of people wanted to buy it to keep it going. They just went, nah. Yep. Well, when they shut it down, it was profitable. It was not expensive to maintain. It was making money. Not hand over fist, no. But it was making money. It was an older game, but it was stable, had a constant, consistent player base. It had dependable yes, income yes, every I... month. Yeah, and, I, I was uh, I was I was subscribed to it for two years. I was I got into it out of beta. Yeah, I subscribed for a few years, and every once in a while, like when I got a urge to play it, I'd play it. Usually, I'd play it for a few days, sub up for a month, and play it for you know at least twenty days, and then usually stop playing again, and my sub would run out. And, but they were making money off it. Every financial statement people looked at said they were making money off the game. It was not a loser. And even with the staff on it, which they didn't have much on it, they were getting updates. It was doing well, especially compared to uh, – it had a, like 100,000 users on it, which a lot of games would kill to have 100,000 users. And they just canned it and said, well, it's done. And they wouldn't offer a reason why. They wouldn't offer any any reason. People would, I kept asking them, why is this happening? Is there going to be a sequel? People tried to buy City of Heroes to keep it running. They just flat out refused. They didn't even take meetings with other companies about saving the game. You know, they wanted to keep the IP to themselves, and they did. And people thought, well, if they're going to keep the IP, they're going to make a sequel. Nope, they said no. It's like, what the hell? That's just a D-bag move right there. Yeah, that's, and so everyone was ticked. And then, to bring in Statesman to this game, I think, honestly, uh, whatever staff member in Korea was setting this up, like, oh, you know what, the American audience, they missed City of Heroes. Let's put in Statesman. We own the property. That'll make them happy. And instead, it just ticked people off like, oh, thanks for the slap in the face, reminding us what game you won't let us play. We appreciate that, jerks. 
Yeah, that, that that whole thing is like NC Sops just taking their ball and going home. I mean, yeah, it's like you know, yeah. it. It well, it's more like you're all playing. It's more like them taking the ball, deflating it, and turning it into a decorative hat. That's what they did. And then going home. And then going home. Well, and then what? Wearing the hat around you. <laughs> mean. You know, it's like, but that was our ball. Whenever it's a hat now. Don't you like hats? I'll let you wear the hat. I don't want to wear the hat. I want to play. I want to play with the ball. No, but you can look at my hat. But I want. Oh, and that's what they're doing. Um, cold. It wasn't meant to be cold, but that's what it is. It was meant to be. Hey guys, look, look. Remember how you love this game? Come on, come over here. And it's like, want her damn game. And it's back. like, oh, the pain is now fresh again. It's like, thank you for bringing up these painful memories. How about you give me a nice paper cut and pour lemon juice on it? To quote Princess Bride. Um, and so they meant well. I think in their hearts they meant well, but they also chose the wrong character to do it with. Statesman was not a beloved character. Positron would have been a better choice. I would have loved to yeah. see them put um, like one of the heroes and one of the villains, like uh, Ghost Widow. Oh yeah, she was cool. She was awesome. I just had the Ghost Widow hero clicks. It was so super cool. Um, and actually, it was funny because when the city of this is a quick aside, when City of Villains released their box set, it came with a hero click of one of the villains. Um, I lucked out and got Ghost Widow, who turned out to be the best one of them because uh, she had just great stats, great powers, looked cool, uh, ended up being monetary wise most valuable one as well. And for a while, you saw her in a lot of like. Because she was legal to play in Heroclix tournaments. It was a normal click. So I actually used her in a lot of tournaments and kicked some major butt with her because she was just not a power player, but great for sneaky stuff. Just awesome, awesome figure. Anyway, so I have a fondness for Ghost Widow. Anyway, if they had pulled like Positron and Ghost Widow, people wouldn't have thrown up such a fuss, I think. But because it was Statesman who had a backstory, and it, was, it just became a whole... Even if they had chosen two other characters, or one other character, it still would have kicked up a, oh, thanks. Thanks. Thank you for reminding me of the game I can't play that I miss so much. Because just see, it just every time I see the Statesman, I just think, oh, man, I miss City Heroes. Yep, and for years, for years, they've been trying to get a, a private servers up for, for it to work, but... You mean, so uh, far, like, but, emulation? Yeah. But so far, that hasn't, that hasn't... Yeah, that hasn't panned out yet. There is actually Paragon Chat. Have you heard of that? Yes. Well, to expand, uh, Paragon Chat, you should have said yes and what it is, just so you know. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, Paragon Carry Chat on. is a program which basically uses the City of... You have to have your City of Heroes discs, as far as I understand. But you can also download those. <laughs> um, but Paragon Chat basically puts you into the opening tutorial of City of Heroes. Not the tutorial itself, but just the level. Uh, I forget what it was called. Do you remember what the opening... I went through there a million times. Anyway. I know, but it's been so long. You could build a character. Originally, you could just build a character and put it in there, so you could just chat with other people and their avatars walking around. They've recently added superpowers. So you could actually use powers in like the opening level, tutorial level of City of Heroes. Outbreak, that's what it's called. There you go. Uh, but in that level, you could make your character. And, and if you had saved your character data from City of Heroes, you could actually just uh, load your old character. So if you still have City of Heroes on your machine, you could save your character data and put it into this. But 
Probably not yeah, likely. No, yeah, it's been it's been it's been so long. I've been yeah, it's been a long time. Hard drives and a couple of OSs since then. So yeah, exactly. Um, but that has a capability. But you could make a new character, make it look like real characters, give it powers, put it in there, and you could use your powers, run around, and talk to other people. Which is kind of neat. It's not a game, but it's something. And right now, you do have like five different projects trying to make the spiritual successor of City of Heroes. Uh, most notably, was it City of Titans and uh, Alliance? I think it is. But uh, yeah, there. So you still have all this love. So you have so much love for City of Heroes. There are multiple. New, multiple attempts to bring it back. Yeah, multiple indie, multiple attempts, either through Paragon Chat or Indie Studio, trying to make new games for spiritual successors. Um, so, no, you're not the smartest thing to do that. But then again, maybe it's also kind of a, seeing all this stuff going on, if they're also asserting, hey, by the way, we still own City of Heroes, so uh, step off. That also might be something like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, so, uh, a company that did that to a beloved game is definitely going to, no, 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 shut down. Shut that down. Shut it. Yeah. But then again, it also, and this is just the optimist in me, it might be a hint that they are working on City of Heroes 2. Maybe a hint. Maybe just a hint, you know, like, hey, look, here's Stop Paragon. It. Stop it. Stop it. I, You know, I can't help the optimist in me with thinking that. Because also it'd be, I, they've already, NCSoft has proven they love dick moves, and nothing would be a bigger dick move than to watch these indie studios work on your spiritual successor of City of Heroes, and right when they're about to release, say, oh, hey, City of Heroes 2 is coming out in six months. Because you know they'd be willing to do that. Yep, yep. They, they let them get get the fan base all riled up, get everyone on board, and then, boom, come out with the real deal. No, no, and, and suddenly your spiritual successor is now a knockoff. Exactly. It's like, oh, wow, that game looks a lot like City of Heroes. Check out our new advanced graphics engine, you know. Oh, yeah, it was nice you guys working on that. How would you like to see this new game produced by the original devs? Oh, you know. So I wouldn't surprise you if they did something like that. I'd actually, it sounds like them. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. Like them. It, it, you know, it's, it's a nice dick move. They like doing that. Uh with their schlong savers, masters of the dick move. Uh, but yeah, but back to the original point. Uh, MXM, I think it's a fun game. I like how it, all the solo stuff you could do with it. Uh, you don't, you're not locked into the League of Legends uh, constant. Even if you're like team up or just alone against bots, just, you got three maps. You've had the same three maps for eternity. MXM has dozens of maps. And different scenarios. You could go solo. You can go teams. You could change difficulties. You could go against AI. You could do uh, team versus team, team versus AI. You could do all sorts of stuff. So they offer a lot of possibilities. Um, they've added a hub world where you could like socialize and do stuff and buy upgrades. And so they've actually done. They've really improved, in my opinion, on the on the League of Legends formula. It's not a wholly original game. No one would ever claim that. But I think it's a great improvement over League of Legends. Okay. All right. I, it, the, the the whole play style was too much like like League of Legends, so it didn't really get me. It didn't. Okay, because to me it was different enough that I liked it. Okay, but uh, you know the the last the last several games that I've played have been because I've been watching Max Layout stream, uh, Astroneer, uh, Oxygen Not Included, Galgo. Star Control Two. 
He's he's been doing that recently. Star Star Control too, and I love that game. Watching again, and and uh, in in the game he's playing, it's been updated with uh, with with almost one hundred percent voiceover. Uh, the the graphics for the uh, on Star the, Control two. Yeah. Was uh, Star the, Control two the, the, the one where these puppets, or was that three? Puppets. Oh, you don't remember that? That must be three then. Okay. Maybe it was four. But one of the anyway, Star uh, Control things where you talked like to the aliens instead of like some like 16-bit computer image of them, it was actually like full motion video of like these puppets, like hand no, puppets. No, 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 oh, it was so yeah, wonderfully so bad. One, the, yeah, yeah. This this one is Star Control Two: The Urquan Masters, and it's the it's it's Star Control Two, but they updated the the with the, with the voiceovers, which are pretty good by the way. I I like them, and the the uh, um, graphics. Uh, of the uh it's still it's still 16 bit but they, they updated it to you know have motion and stuff like that and it's 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 pretty cool and the the, the story is exactly the same you know it's it's not too difficult it's not it's not uh groundbreaking anyway but damn it's just fun to play and it's fun to watch so you know and, and, and max always always uh, makes fun of me that i play these games you get them you play them more than me and you get better <laughs> 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 because uh max i think he uh with oxygen not included, he got to about sixty days when his when his colony was was going was going in the pooper, and then uh, he said it to me and said, "Oh, uh, I'm at uh, I'm at 220." <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured out a way to, to have an inexhaustible supply of water. He's like, "Shut up, <laughs> shut up." No one likes you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what? So that being the case, when are you gonna get Gal Gun? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> it's it's not enough of a game for me. It's it's like a it's like a novel light. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. And but come know, on, it, that's the game that features ninety nine dollar DLC. I know, that's crazy. It is and, crazy. And, now what, what what we're talking about is is our our, our new uh, uh, um, Legion of Myth After Dark. Where it's it's a little more risque content, you know. There, there's there's no disclaimer. It's like Baywatch Nights, but with less Hasselhoff. There you go. Seventy five percent less Hasselhoff. Yes. Now, if if I'm going to play an adult game, I'm not going to go halvesies like like Galgun. It's it's only halfway there. It's 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 not it's not even soft core. You know, it's <laughs> just, it's just it, it's just risque is what you can say. That's all it is. But but really, what it is is just a Japanese culture. Really, I mean, that's basically it. But if if, if I'm going to do anything, I'm going to do something for for uh, behind the uh, uh, Patreon firewall. The you know, opinions gonna... expressed by the commentators on Legion Myth are not necessarily <laughs> the opinions of Legion Myth's organization. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 not for me. If if, if I'm if I'm going to do a, an, an adult game, it's going to be a full blown adult game. It's not going to be uh, like uh, Doom. Yeah, a, a weak half funny, a, a weak half measure, you know. No, I get what you're saying. I get yeah. what you're saying. But there are limits to what can be streamed. Yes, I understand, and that, that's why any any game any game that's adult that I would buy and play would, if I if I were going to put it on the internet, it would have to be behind up behind some kind of paywall that that, that doesn't have the restrictions that uh, that that. Twitch like actually hosted on our own site or something. Exactly. Yeah, we couldn't. Yeah, yeah, we could do that definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, things are in progress. Um. Also, speaking of things in progress, coming up eventually, we will have a new series of uh, Star Trek Online Foundry Mission playthroughs by Garthon and Heathen Dog. That's actually the first episode dropped this morning. 
Oh, very exciting. I, I need to watch yes. that. Yeah, for so so drop this morning. And uh, for the next couple of days, it'll be every other day. On, on, until until we get a good enough backlog, and then there'll be every 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 morning at eight a.m. Uh, Eastern, uh, seven a.m. Central, they will be dropping every day. Boom, 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 boom. So you'll get more of this this excitement between Garth and a Heathen Dog, but better because there'll be spaceships. That's right, spaceships and explosions and and killing folk. Only the folk who deserve it. Exactly. Only, only the green folk. And it is great, honestly, going through Foundry missions because some of them need the publicity, some of them deserve more publicity, and some of them honestly need to, you know, be derided for their failures. Yes, yes. I shouldn't I'm say that because people put a lot of work into these. But, that's true. That's uh, true. We never but actually, some of them are just bad. Yeah. We never actually deride the ones we play. We do offer constructive criticism, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but the, well, a lot of the stuff we have a problem with is not really their fault. It's the you know, it's the foundry mission, how they're built, you know, like, uh, like they have extremely long load times con- compared to episode missions. Right. Cause it has to and pull out custom data. Exactly. Cause yes, pull all that custom data together for you. So it, it, it makes, it makes the, the load times longer. And if you have, if you have a cut scene, you want to go from one scene to another, you have to go through another load time. So what, what makes great sense for a story may not make great sense for play because you're, cause you're just adding more and more of these load time black holes. So that that's really the only problem I've seen so far. Right, and every time you do a transition in a Foundry mission, there should be something to do past the transition other than just you know click three dialog boxes. Because you've yes. done that, you've just wasted people's time. Yeah, you wasted a good two to four minutes of load time doing that. Exactly. No one likes that. Nobody. But other than that, I mean, the, the, the storytelling has been good. The action's been good. And uh, you should uh, everyone should check it out. Good, yep, good absolutely stuff. good stuff. First one's there. Check it out, and we look forward to bringing you even more episodes of that, because honestly, we have fun making them, and you can tell. Yeah, yeah, it's good times. And we encourage you, if you're playing Star Trek Online, it's free to play. Doesn't hurt to play it. Uh, to check out Foundry missions if you're playing Star Trek. A lot of hard yes. work goes into those. A lot of great writing. A lot of times they tie up loose ends that Cryptic leaves out there from their own missions, and those are fun to see as well. That's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, they give them a lot of leeway be, because they know that they're going to end up owning the content. That is very true. Yeah, so they'll let them go. They'll let them go. Whatever you 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 can delve in history. You, you can take copyrighted characters. You you can take uh, episodes and and continue them from the old show, from Next Generation, from Voyager, whatever. And you you can you can spin your own spin your own tale about about uh, what happens after the the, the credit scene, and it's fine. Because uh, all Cryptic and Paramount or whatever has to do is say uh, that's not canon, and it's not canon, and they're going to own it anyway. Because when you make a Foundry mission, you you give the you give uh, permission of use and ownership to the game, not to you. But um, the cool thing about that is you you do get something on the back end. Everyone who plays your Foundry mission at the end of it, they have an they have an option to give you a tip of dilithium, twenty five, fifty, or one hundred. Which is always nice to get. Yes, and if, if you make a popular Foundry mission, you know, you, you log out one day, and three days later you log back in, and suddenly you've got three million dilithium. Like, what? And that is gold. That dilithium trans- transfers to Zen, which is real-world money. So the more yes. dilithium you have, the, the, the more... The I don't more, think you ever make that much, though. I don't think Foundry missions are played nearly as much as they should be. 
No, I don't know. I don't know. Some, some of these guys who, especially if you're prolific, you know, you, you make, you make decent content and you made 20 founder missions and they, and a couple of them even hit the spotlight, which are, which are the, the uh, top 10. Oh man, you're going to get people playing all day. It's going to be great. Some people are stingy and, and don't tip anything. If, if, if I rate something four stars out of five, I'm tipping a hundred. If it's three stars, it gets 50. If it's two stars, it gets 25. If it's a one star piece of junk, then, then you get nothing. But, you know, that, that's, that's a that's fair my rating scale. system. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that just about wraps us up this week. What do you think? I think we have a good, solid show. I like it. I like it as well. Well, everyone, thank you very much for listening to this live stream. you have any final words of Wisdom Heathen Dog? Wisdom? I don't know any of that. What I can say is I hope everyone has a great day. I hope you continue to make good choices. And the universe responds in kind. I can agree with that. Remember, if you have any constructive comments or suggestions, including any foundry missions you'd like to check out, let us know. You can let talk to Legion of Myth on the internet at our homepage, LegionMyth.tv or LegionMyth.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash LegionMyth, on our YouTube channel, check out Legion of Myth page, on our Twitter at LegionMyth or TwitchTV slash LegionMyth, streaming every day of the week. You can Basically, check out- no excuses. No excuses in not getting to contact us because we're everywhere, man. You can check out this podcast on iTunes, on Player FM, on Stitcher. Tune in and download directly from our website. If you're checking us on iTunes, please drop us a five-star rating. We would do it the same for you. If you want to support Legion of Myth, you can get our gear at shop.spreadshirt.com slash legionofmyth or directly through patreon.com slash legionofmyth. Thank you very much, everyone. Remember... You have one life. Live it well. Live it nerdy. And have a great darn anomaly. route.